across my radar that I'd never really heard of before and didn't sit on my list for the longest time. Sure. Uh, I watched it the next day. There you go. And it's it's an older movie. It's a movie from 1973 called Lady Snowblood. Never heard of it. Lady Snowblood. This movie, the best thing, not best, the thing I will say about this movie is that it has made me lose respect, some respect, for Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> oh, no. Because this is 100% the movie that Kill Bill is based off of. Ah, oh, yes. Um, so it's set in, uh, I want to say feudal Japan, mm-hmm. um, or they're like old, old time Japan. I don't mm-hmm. know what era that would be, but, yeah. um, you know, time of samurai and whatnot. And yeah. it follows this woman, Yuki, who is lady snowblood, who was born into like revenge. Like, you know, her mother had a, uh, a vendetta against these men and, mm. um, she was born into it and took up the mantle and it's about her hunting down these three people who hurt her mother mm-hmm. and like fighting and killing them. So it's it like literally the, it the literally plot of Kill, is Bill. Kill Bill. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this movie is insanely incredible. Yeah. Um, this yeah. is like, I, I give it, Four and a half stars, it gets a knock only because there's one section where I was like, okay, like we're here for like, we've been here for a while. Mm. Um, and it, it made me pause and go, how much longer is left in this movie? Which is like, uh, I feel like that's a good means yeah. I wasn't pulled in there completely. But other than that, yeah. like four and a half stars, like this movie's fucking crazy. Dude, um, yeah. Directed by uh, Toshia, uh, Toshia Fujita. Mm-hmm. This this movie is crazy. There's a second one that I really want to watch, but like all the same motifs, like the you know sword fights in the snow, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff, like just so incredibly well done. And mm-hmm. I want you to watch it because I want you to feel the same things I did. Of like, yeah. this is literally the exact musical cue in Kill Bill. Yeah, like almost the same <laughs> kind of soundtrack thing. And then I'm like, he straight up lifted this, wow. and like. Not entirely, obviously, but like it's like Kill Bill is based on Lady Snowblood. Right, like, right, right. Full stop. Yeah. It's weird. Oh, very interesting. And I'd never heard of this movie and yeah. someone like it just came across something Yeah. Uh, on my radar. I was like, oh, I'll put that on my watch list. And then the next day I sat down and I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to watch that. And like pulled in. Really it's good. so good. Yeah. <laughs> what, Beautiful um, too. Was this on Criterion for you or where can it I? It was on Criterion where I watched it, um, okay. but it's also available to rent on Amazon and Apple. Fantastic. Um, okay. And it's, Crazy. you know, from the 70s, so it's only a couple dollars. Right, right, right. Jeez. All right. Well, I'm adding it to my list. Oh, it's on Max as well. Oh, is it? So there are many, many different methods of watching this. And yeah, it's three bucks to rent. So Why regardless my... of what you do. Well, maybe it's oh, not. Oh, I don't have, on my letterbox, I don't have Max selected as a subscription. Oh. Because it's not HBO Max. Right. Interesting. Let me just make sure that this is Yeah, let is me fix fact. that real quick. Yeah. Lady Snowblood. Yeah, that's where I watch it because it's a, it's a TCM movie. Yes. That's yes. where I saw it. I was browsing around TCM because we talked about it last time. Right, right. Oh, an hour 37. Easy. Easy. Yeah, oh, compared shit. to Kill Bill's, you know. Right. two movies 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, five hours of Kill Bill. Not that I don't love Kill Bill, but it's, it's Kill let's Bill be is real. an incredibly incredible movie. But I yes. will give you a warning: like you will come out of yeah, Lady Snowblood, <laughs> being like hmm. with less of a opinion of Kill Bill. I got you. Okay. Ah, um, oh, shit. All right. Damn, it's a good movie. Well, yeah, I got to check that out soon because I was looking at some of the. Uh, ratings from my fellow Letterboxd users as well, and everyone's like, this movie is really, really good. Um, shit. Okay. Well, I gotta check that out. Hopefully I'll watch that sometime in the next couple days. Um, In a completely different direction, <laughs> I went and I saw the, and I texted you right before I saw this, the fifth Insidious movie yes. in the theater. Red Blood Red, no. uh, red, the red door. Insidious, the red door. The red door. Sure. Same, you know, same, yeah. same thing. And blood is involved. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, which, like I said, is the fifth Insidious movie and is the first film ever directed by Patrick Wilson, which is really interesting. Oh, no yeah, because he's been the star of yeah. most of these. Um, and Insidious 5 picks up right after Insidious 2 because 1 and 2 were directed by James Wan and were kind of like a part one and part two and then stuff happens at the end of part two which leads us into part five and three and four confusingly are prequels to the whole series so it's this whole back and forth type thing hmm. i'll say most of the insidious movies are not very good and some might even say <laughs> none of them are very good but i have a very special uh place in my heart for the first one and while this movie is not entirely successful it gave me the same feeling as the original Insidious movies, which was kind of lower budget, a little bit schlocky, almost borderline B-movie in its construction because, like, the budget was small on Insidious 1, so it's, like, you know, lots yeah. of handheld camera, lots of, like, created sets that they actually had to build, which was, like, very, you know, Argento-inspired, lots of color and giallo horror, and um, this movie, if you're going to see it at all, See it in a theater because it is a jump scare fest, which is yeah. the the thing I didn't like about it. Because Insidious ah. is not that like it's subtle. There are things the scariest moments in Insidious for me are the moments where you're like, oh wait a minute, I almost missed that. Like it was just something in the corner of the screen or you know in the yeah. back, you know, it, you know in the in the background, and you kind of almost miss it. And Patrick Wilson, like, gets some credit from me because he does that with a couple scares in this that don't even really lead to anything, mm -hmm. um, which is really interesting. And, you know, it's over-reliant on the trauma story. It's literally a trauma story. Like, that's something... Like, there's a lot of stuff I rub up against because horror has become so generic and i think that yeah. there's definitely studio interference here like there's things that i know that they reshot a well, bunch of it to make was, it scarier i was gonna ask is this like do you think the issues are from patrick wilson or do you think it's like script or like post based i think it's script and post based i really do and the script was written by lee winnell who's a fantastic mm. screenwriter but it feels like this is the fifth insidious movie what the fuck are we gonna do with this you know you can feel that in the writing yeah. um so i don't know if you're looking for something to do and you like horror like it gets you like it was a packed theater and people were shrieking which <laughs> i always find fun in movies like this because you don't have to take it so seriously but sure i'm looking forward to seeing what patrick wilson does in the future because this was not a flop like you're watching it you're like this guy knows filmmaking like there's something here so yeah um yeah insidious the red door 
a, a nice three star horror film that you can just easily nice. sit down and watch for a hundred minutes. So yeah. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah. You, you were texting me about uh, James Wan being prolific. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's, oh, he goes outside the horror genre and he does Furious yeah. 7 and Aquaman. <laughs> and you're like, okay, buddy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> whatever you say, my man. Whatever you do, man. <laughs> I, so my Saturday morning movie from this past week mm. um, was something that I'd heard slight rumblings about and I think has just come out on VOD. Um, mm. And it's a very weird movie called Biosphere. Uh, which is from like a year ago. Yeah. Have you seen this? I haven't, but I tried to, I, for some reason I thought I could just find, did you rent it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so this movie, um, is directed by Mel Eslin starring Sterling K Brown and Mark Duplass. What a pairing. And only those two. This is, this is a movie that takes place in a biosphere post end of the world uh and is vague about all of its details um but it is literally okay. just these two guys yeah in this and it's not like you know where you you think of like uh i don't know like passengers or something and you're like oh yeah it's just chris pratt and you know uh jay law and jennifer jennifer lawrence but like no there's like four or five other people just like poking around in that you know literally not yeah. another human in this entire thing um and wow. it is bold an insane powerhouse from both of them. Really? Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, Sterling K. Sterling Brown, K. Brown yeah. like delivers power it. to the nth degree, whatever he does. And he certainly does here. He's like a force to be reckoned with. Um, yeah. But Mark Duplass plays like a, a softer character, I guess, almost. Um, mm-hmm. And there's like insane contrast between the two of them, but they've been like, together they've been friends since they were kids etc that kind of thing but like Mm. the roller coaster of emotion that this takes you through and the roller coaster of like topics that this takes you through of like it's not your classic like post-apocalyptic like we're the last two movie it deals with a whole lot of other topics and i don't want to say anything really else about Mm. the plot because there's like a certain device in play that like changes every but i won't like yeah you know um but like man these two are just so good their chemistry is like incredible it's amazing to watch them get pissed at each other yeah and then like have to come back from the fight like the movie doesn't shy away from that kind of stuff because it's like they have to come back from the fight like they're the only two and they're stuck together um yeah Oh, interesting. And it's like wonderfully vague, like things about what happened are like hinted at, but I don't think you ever really have a good idea. Um, And it's just kind of like, this is getting through life with these two. Um, Oh, I love that. Such a unique idea. Yeah. (laughs) It is a unique idea. Um, It's interesting too, because like apocalypse movies are usually about the apocalypse. Yeah. And this is like about, like they're dealing with the aftermath mm-hmm. of the apocalypse, but it largely doesn't matter like what happened. Yeah. And it's not even <laughs> like, you know, all the classic tropes of like, I mean, there, there are a couple, but it's like, you know, Oh, we've got X days into, you know, you think like the Martian or things like that. It's like, I've got X days to do this. And that, that, like, that's it. Like, again, like hinted at, but like, that's like the movies about these two and their yeah. relationship. 
and like it fills in details where it needs to, but doesn't where it doesn't. Sure. Which is really, really well done. Um, That's a well-crafted movie, yeah. that means. So. Oh, I love it. Um, shout out. So written by uh, Mel Islin, the director, and Mark Duplass. Um, mm-hmm. but, but like, man, so worth the watch. Damn. Okay. And this is a rent. You have This is a rent rental. It, right? Yeah. This just came gotcha. out. I think I watched it on uh, Apple, you know. Um, gotcha. But biosphere well i will add that to my watch list um well i will so i i op- just opened it on amazon prime um and it has on amazon a one star rating um what which is hilarious and so not true um, from how many reviews it doesn't say it just has the one star you know oh um i don't know it's can't weird, count that but can't count that i'm curious that's one i'm really curious to see what you think as well so we'll have yeah, to I mean, I saw that you you had because it had just dropped on VOD like the week before, yeah. and I saw that you uh, had, had logged it. I was like, oh, intro-, like I had wanted to watch it anyway, but now yeah. I'm like, you know, that was one it. of those ones. I like I went into it expecting it to be like Biodome. Yeah, and it's very much not like yeah. Biodome. Not like Biodome. One hundred percent less Poly Shore. <laughs> no, there, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Speaking of a. I was going to say a movie. It's not a movie, but a piece of of entertainment that centers around two people. Mm-hmm. Have you watched the show Platonic? No, that's Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen, and, uh, Rose Byrne. Right, yeah. I yes. have not watched Which that, I, no. So um, I had a 30-day, I got a new phone. This has nothing to do mm-hmm. with anything, but I got a 30-day Apple TV Plus for free thing. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? I'll find something to watch on there. Might as well. Sure. Platonic shows up. There you and go. Uh, I was like, understanding that it was 30 minute episodes, I was like, screw it. Let's see what happens. I love Rose Byrne and Seth Rogen yeah. and Neighbors. This is Nick Stoller and Francesca Del Banco. Like, this should be a home run. And honest to God, I binged all nine episodes <laughs> in a day. Like, I, I was watching it and I'm like, you know, it's not the greatest show in the world, not the greatest comedy in the world. But what this show has is Rose Byrne and Seth Rogen. Mm-hmm. And I'll say Luke McFarlane's in it too. So good. He's like the anti-Glenn Powell, whereas I feel like Glenn Powell, I feel like is always right about to be an asshole. Like yeah. he just has that look. Luke McFarlane's like the exact opposite. I just feel like that guy's just going to be a really nice person to you the whole time. And he's almost like a pushover. Yeah. But generally platonic is about these two people who used to be really, really great friends. They became estranged due, a cup, due to a couple different uh, circumstances and have found each other again now that they are like have families and are married and all of that stuff. And it is a really charming and endearing show with really funny comedy and the chemistry between Rogan and Byrne is like why the whole thing works in the first place. You mm-hmm. could I could watch them talk for like three hours and I basically did watch them talk for like three hours. What I'll say about this show is it should have been a fucking movie. Yeah. Because there are scenes and sequences and and like jokes that I'm like, why is this still going? Why are we still on this? And I'm like, this is all stuff that you would have trimmed out in a movie, but you have to get 10 episodes out. So we're going to stretch this 30 second joke into five minutes. And it's like, I found that to be like a pacing issue. You're just sitting there like, oh man, okay, like I get it. This is funny. And if it wasn't these two, I probably would have turned this off at this point. Which is a big 
problem. And I'm, and I'm like, yeah, this shouldn't be a show. Like it just shouldn't be. As much as I'm enjoying it, I'm like, after ten episodes, like I'm never gonna go back and watch this again. You <laughs> You're know? not going like, back for Platonic season two. Yeah, I'm. Well, if there is a season two, I'll probably watch it. But, um, but yeah, it's odd. I would like to, if you ever get around to watching an episode or two, I'd be curious to see what you think about it. Just because I'm like, it just doesn't feel like it should be. Yeah. Short form like this, like. One day, I don't know. one day we'll have to break down the math and like figure out like where really is the merit of having 10, 10 episodes on Apple TV yeah, or on Apple plus versus having a two hour movie. Yeah. You know, interesting. I don't know. It is, it is interesting, but um, yeah, again, a really easy watch is on Apple TV plus last episode. I believe the finale is airing uh well aired yesterday mm-hmm. no what am i saying this is tuned in so this aired on last wednesday okay. so yeah so it should be all out by then okay but okay platonic huh um fucking love rosemary <laughs> she's so good so in good it's <laughs> in like endlessly too. yeah um <laughs> i'm torn i have so it's been two weeks since we've done it turned in so i have a bunch of yeah. stuff here that i want to touch on um and i'm a mm-hmm. little torn but i'm gonna um I'm going to go with the one I've been planning to, um, which I think is not the best of the three movies that I watched, but I'm going to talk about it. Um, I watched a movie okay. from 1999 called But I'm a Cheerleader. Okay. Um, which is uh, a satire of like uh, sexuality correction camps. Oh. Um, so it stars Natasha Leone and Clea Duvall. Uh, really? Back in like 1999. And it's really weird because it's before Natasha Leone like came into, I guess, her character. I, if I can say yeah. that without it, meaning like her hair is straight and blonde. She doesn't, she has like a, you know, a, a high like girly voice kind of thing. Right. Um, right. And it's really, really bizarre. But uh, <laughs> this, this is a movie about um, a teenage girl who gets sent to, uh, sexual like correction camp because all of her friends and her family think she's a lesbian. Oh, okay. Um, and it's, it's very like, it's really well done. It's the whole thing is about how ridiculous these camps are to begin with. Um, yeah. And it ties in and it just becomes more and more like kind of touching because I mean, obviously like without getting spoilers, but like, you know, you put a bunch of girls who like girls, in a camp together and tell them not to like girls, you know, um, it's like what's going to happen. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's, I mean, everything's like super pop color. Everything's very like, you know, minimal set build builds and things like that. It's kind of like, yeah, here's this house where they are. And like, it's all kind of based around that. Um, mm. but like, it is kind of like, just like a really, like really champions, just like, it's okay to be gay. Kind of yeah. thing, you know, like it is, yeah. I think it does have like a really like important like stance in terms of like that kind of uh, mentality represented yeah. on film. Um, totally. Mentality sounds so clinical when I say it like that, but like, uh, yeah. you know, it's, I don't know, it's really, really well done. It's also um, RuPaul is in it. RuPaul plays a straight really? man in it. Um, oh my God. Who used to be a gay. Um mm. That's his term, not mine, but like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Just like RuPaul pretending to be like a butch straight guy is <laughs> the funniest kind of thing in the world. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. I mean, this movie is great. Like it's again, it's, um, it's on Criterion. It's also on prime. 
Um, okay. And it's, I think it's only 90 minutes, so it's like easy, but it's such mm. an interesting thing because it's Natasha Leone and Clea Duvall, but it's also uh, Melanie Linsky's in it. Um, really? With an Australian oh, wow. accent, like when she first came like to the US. Yeah. Um, and uh, Michelle Williams is in it for like a hot minute, which is really bizarre. Because I spent the whole time going, is that Michelle is that Williams? Michelle Williams? <laughs> um, wow. But yeah, really good. Um, worth the watch and like an important one to see, I feel like. Yeah, oddly important. And I've never even heard of it. Like it's well, not even something. It's that, one like- of those. <laughs> it's one of those. It's 99. It's like it. Yeah. Probably just got drowned out by everything. Everything else. Um, <laughs> and I mean, it, oh, it is like an indie. It's not like some huge studio thing, but like. For sure, yeah. yeah. But with a bunch of names that are still working all yeah. the time today. Like, they're literally, all of them are working right now. Like, yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Well, I got to check that out. That's so random. Yeah. Wait, how did you come to that? I have no idea. I think, like, <laughs> I, honestly, it's the weird thing. I, like, I feel, that, this is going to sound so terrible. I feel <laughs> like I'm way more willing these days to give myself over to the max algorithm. Ooh. I, and I don't know what that means, but like, that's how I found this. Oh, wait, no, this was on Prime. So maybe maybe it's just willingness in general to get myself over to the algorithm yeah. because um, I don't know, man. I think I saw Natasha Leone and I saw the poster. And, and you're like, like what? Well, I got to see what this yeah. is about. Yeah. Um, but Wow. That's fantastic. Well, I guess I'm adding that to my list as well. Never would have thought. Never knew that existed. Um, to round out my slate of films today, I'm going to go with another movie I saw in a theater. I actually got to see this a week early, which was cool. Um, and it is a movie called Joyride, which, to be honest, I'm bummed about the marketing campaign for this movie because mm. it's unless you're sitting in the theater, you don't know it exists, which is a big problem because this is a big, not a big studio comedy, but it mm-hmm. is a studio comedy and was um, sort of marketed that way. Is this... Olivia Coleman? No, no, Joyride, two words. Ah. Directed by Adele Lim, who was the writer of Crazy Rich Asians and Raya the Last Dragon. And fun fact, Got she it. turned down writing Crazy Rich Asians too because they were willing to pay her far less than her other writers. Ah. And so what she did was she wrote and directed her first movie, which is Joyride, starring Ashley Park, who if you just saw Beef, she was in Beef, Stephanie Hsu, who is in Everything Everywhere, yes. uh, Sherry Cola, which is just the funniest name in the world, and Sabrina <laughs> Wu, who is absolutely hilarious in this film. Um, this I would describe as like a friendship road trip comedy about these four women who have to go from America back to China in order to help Ashley Park's character basically close a deal for her boss now the reason that this is so resonant to me is because ashley park plays a korean who is adopted by white parents and brought to america and Ah. the whole film is about her struggling with do i go over and like try and meet my birth mother and then that gets roped into things which is really interesting and as i was watching this film and like i didn't know what it was about going forward i was just like stephanie shoes in it i'm gonna watch it like that's just how it goes i was like this is fucking crazy man (laughs) like these conversations are verbatim conversations i've had in my life like it was this weird existential like thing for me so like i don't think this is gonna resonate with anyone because it's so niche Mm -hmm. you know but it is really funny. Not every single joke lands, but it is like a true blue raunch comedy. Like it is, it gets graphic. Like it's one of those like 
it feels like I mentioned Nick Stoller. It feels like a Stoller film or an early McKay or an early Apatow hmm. film where they're just able to do whatever they want to. And um, I just thought this had so much heart, so much um, like emotional resonance that I feel like a lot of comedies miss. Like there becomes this third act problem with these comedies where it's like, oh, funny, 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 and it just dies, and there's no like through line. It's just like, oh, now it's sad for a minute, now it's funny yeah. again. This has the through line of like a real emotional arc for a lot of these characters that pays off, and it doesn't feel like you're dropping off. It feels like this movie actually just it it came to this conclusion for these nice. people, um, and I thought it was hilarious. So if you get a chance. Like anyone out there, go see Joyride in a theater. Like it, it literally, my theater was cracking up. I thought it was just, which doesn't happen always with yeah. these types of films. But um, yeah, it's just a, it's a very interesting and unique kind of film. And I'd love to see anything else that Adele Lim has coming out because she gets this stuff. Yeah, and I can see like the crazy rich Asians in this a lot, and um, she understands how to satirize this kind of thing very very well is it is um, it autobiographical for her do you know i think semi i don't know a hundred percent um i i I listened to a couple podcasts with her and it seems like it's partially i think there's a little bit of her and all of the characters um but based on a little bit of my life kind of thing yeah exactly and maybe the the whole thing is but um yeah joyride a really really solid and again like this is one of those i'm like stephanie shu like she can kind of do anything now. I'm sure. like, she really nails this like full comedy over the top. And then she also nails the semi over the top, semi kind of like yeah. restrained performances that she does in everything everywhere. So yeah. Nice. Joyride. Good time. That's awesome. Good time. 